It's the dictionary. 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 Hello, word nerds. How are you doing? This is Spencer, your host. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? What's going on? This episode is filled with mostly words I have never heard of before. And uh, the emphasis changes, you know, the second syllable might be emphasized or the third syllable might be emphasized. So bear with me on that. And then we have a little chart about two thirds of the way through that we will talk about. And I don't know what it is about. We'll learn together like we do. Okay. The first word in this episode is, um, it is diabolism, diabolism, D-I-A-B-O-L-I-S-M, noun from 1614, one, oh, this is, uh, this is tagging on to what we had at the end of the last episode, which was diabolical and diablery or diablery. So, di, uh, what is this word? Diabolism, number one, dealings with or possession by the devil. I have seen many horror movies that deal with possessions, and I don't know if I've ever heard of this word diabolism. So, when you're dealing with or possession, so if you're dealing with a possession or there is a possession by the devil, anything that's dealing with a possession by the devil is a diabolism. Devil, you are not allowed in my space. Physical, mental, otherwise, stay back. I'll possess you, devil. Maybe we should see a movie like that. Let's make one like that, where a human possesses the devil. That would be fantastic. Number two, belief in or worship of devils. Just all the devils... Not those devils, but the other devils. We we shall worship those devils. Number three, evil character or conduct. So just anything that's evil, devilish, possessed by all those things, that's just, that's diabolism. Diabolist is a noun. So I guess that could be either one who has evil character, characteristics, or evil conduct, uh, maybe one who believes in devils or worships devils, or the one who is dealing with a possession uh, by the devil. The next word, we got to do a sound effect. It'll be a little tune that goes something like this. The next word is diabolize. Transitive verb from 1702. To represent as or make diabolical to represent as diabolical or to make diabolical just that's basically making anything devilish or evil or nasty or all of those things that uh what was it of relating characteristic of the devil yeah so making something diabolical in some form is diabolize the next word I don't even remember the tune I did. Should we make a new one? It's probably going to be similar. The next word is diachronic. D-I-A-C-H-R-O-N-I-C. And let us remind ourselves what the dia prefix is. 
uh, it's all about going through or across. So I think, as I mentioned in the previous episode, we will be coming across words here and there that are dealing with through and across in some way. I don't know if this is one of those, but it might be. Diachronic. Adjective from 1922. Of relating to or dealing with phenomena as they occur or change over a period of time. And the examples of these phenomena are language or culture. So in some way, dealing with language or culture as they evolve, change, occur just over time. And the chronic uh, in this context, I think, is the one that's about time. And I believe that the dia prefix here could still be through or across because it's through time, across time. Um, so I guess when, when we, when we, when me, when I talk about the etymology of a word and how it evolved, um, that would be, I would be talking about that word diachronically, which is an adverb, um, because it's dealing with language as it changes over time. Diachronically, hmm, interesting. Why don't we use this word more? Over time, I was born, and then I did some school, and more school, and a job, and relationships. You know, these are things that we all mostly deal with. Uh, And then I make a podcast. So if I look at my life diachronically, ah, well, chronologically is in order by time. Um, So that's probably related, obviously. So that's, I didn't have anything, I wasn't really going anywhere with that statement, but... Yeah. The next word. Di no, this is diachrony. Diachrony. This one's pretty similar um, to the previous word. The only thing that changed is the Y. Uh, it was an IC, diachronic, and it became a Y, diachrony. Hmm. Noun. From circa 1939, one, diachronic analysis. So if you are analyzing something like language or culture over time, uh, you that would be uh, diachrony. Yeah. Number two, change extending through time. Things are always changing through time. As much as we might think or hope that there is no change happening, it is happening constantly and in many more ways than you could ever imagine. So change through time. Uh, the etymology, not too much. That's very interesting to me. Hmm. I don't really know how to use these in a sentence. Change extending through time. This podcast is a diachrony. Because this is a noun, it's a diachrony, so it does change through time. Uh, in the A's I started, it was all very normal and just reading the words and I didn't really add anything and then as time went on I got a little more loose I decided to do no editing and uh, uh, essentially no editing like I said I've I cut out sneezes and burps and farts and explosions the next word diacid diacid so it's the word acid with the di prefix, 
And uh, I wonder if that's going to be related to two or second or something like that. This is the first form. Oh, it could also be diacidic. Diacidic. Adjective from 1866. Able to react with two molecules of a monobasic acid or one of a dibasic acid to form a salt or ester. And this is used especially of bases. Um, I guess bases opposed to acids, because it's not, I don't, I don't, I, this is where my brain shuts down. Too much, too much science, too much chemistry. I don't totally understand. I don't deal with this stuff in my day-to-day life, so I don't know what we're talking about. But it is, the, the dye prefix definitely is dealing with two, because it's two molecules of a monobasic acid, which is one basic acid, or one of a dibasic acid, and there the dye prefix again is two. The next word, diacid again, second form, noun from circa 1929, an acid with two acid hydrogen atoms. I don't know what makes the hydrogen atoms acid. Do they have extra things or less things to make them acidic? I don't understand that at all. But it's a diacid. Die, you acid. The next word. Dia. What is this word? Diaconal. Diaconal or diaconal. Die or D at the beginning. D I A C O N A L. Adjective from circa 1611. Of or relating. To a deacon or deaconess. Oh, I thought there was more. That's it. Uh, it's just relating to a deacon or a deaconess is diaconal. Hmm. Why couldn't it be deaconal? D-E-A-C-O-N-A-L. What does the etymology say? It is from Lower Latin diaconus. No, diaconus, which means deacon. And there's more at the word deacon. So for some reason... We decided to go with the more Latin spelling of this word than the English spelling of the word. The next word. Diaconate. Diaconate or diaconate. Noun from circa 1751. And yes, this is related to the previous word. Number one. The office or period of... No. The office or period of office, of a deacon or deaconess. And two, an official body of deacons. The deacons come together to create a Voltron of deacons, which then becomes a deaconate. It's this massive, huge deacon destroying buildings, and then the Godzilla or King Kong or... Power Rangers have to destroy the diaconate. The next word. Boodoop, 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 boodoop. Diacritic. So it's dia, that's the prefix, and then critic is the second part. Noun from 1866. And this is where we have the chart. So we'll let's read the definition first. It is a mark near or through an orthographic or phonetic character or combination of characters 
indicating a phonetic value different from that given the unmarked or otherwise marked element. Okay, so let's look at this chart and see if we can then figure out what we're talking about. I don't think it's that complicated. Oh, and they, there's extra names here. Okay, so we have 10 of these diacritics. It's a, it's a mark that's near or through a character um, to talk about, to, to say whether it is um, pronounced in a different way than the version that does not have the mark. Make sense? Okay, good. Let's move on. No, let's read the chart. So the first one is called an acute accent. That accent is so cute. It is acute. Uh, the example for the letter that this would be on is an E, and this is the accent that I often say goes boop. So it's, uh, it's a line. It's down on the left and up on the right. Oh, this is so great that I'm learning the names of these. I will not remember any of them whatsoever, but, you know, it's it's good to try. So, so uh, down on the left, up on the right, it does look like the accent. Oh, uh, no, I'm not even going to say that. So this is an acute accent. And uh, it just says basically that the E is accented differently than without the accent. Um, or you could say it's pronounced differently. The next one is a grave accent, and we're still using the same letter E as the example, and this one goes pew. It's up on the left and down on the right. It's the opposite of the acute accent. Grave accent is that, that one that I just talked about, just to remind you of what it is called. The third one is called circumflex, and this is the one that's the carrot. It's, um, the example letter is O, not that that really matters, but I try to give you all the information as possible. So this is the one that sounds like this, boo, so it's down on the left, up in the middle, and down on the right. I just call it a little carrot icon, or hat, or arrow, or pointy thing. The next one, I do know the name of this one, it's the tilde, T-I-L-D-E. The example letter is an N. It's almost always on an N, I think. And this is the wiggly line. It goes, it starts down on the left, uh, wiggles up, wiggles down, and wiggles back up on the right side. And this on the keyboard, um, it is the button. If you have sort of the standard English keyboard, um, this is the button that's on the left of the number one and the top left of the keyboard um, and it's uh, it's the same key as, I guess that's the, uh, maybe that's the grave accent. Grave accent and the tilde are on the same one, I think. Okay, at least on this keyboard it looks like. So that's the tilde. The N uh, sounds like Enya or Enye when you pronounce it. The next one is called Macron. Macron? Macron? Something like that. The example letter is an O, and this is just a horizontal line. It just goes boop. That's it. Same same height across the board. Uh, this this accent, the Macron or Macron, this is the one that when you're looking at the pronunciation guide, if you see this line over a vowel, it makes it a long vowel. So if it's on an E, 
that E is pronounced E, uh, or that letter is pronounced E if it's on an O, O, A, A, I, I, U, U. Is it on a U? Let's see. We have a little cheat sheet here. No, but I think there's something else. Anyway, it's the one that says it's a long vowel. The next diacritic is called the, it's either breve or breve or breve, breve, brevede. This one, the example letter is the letter U. And this one is, um, well, actually, it's funny because the shape of this thing is kind of a U. It's uh, up on the left, up on the right, and it curves down in the middle. So it goes, yeah, that's that that that's good enough. Um, I don't know how it changes the pronunciation of the U, but it does. So that's the I think it's just pronounced brev maybe. The next diacritic is <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. It might be hachek. It's spelled H A C E K, and there is actually an accent over the C which happens to be the Hatchek accent. This is very meta. So the example letter is a C, and the the shape of this accent is similar to the Brev up on both sides and then down in the middle, but this one, it's a sharp angle. So it's kind of like the circumflex uh, carrot hat icon, but it's flipped over. So it goes, yeah. But, and I think I've seen these, I think it may be, turn the C into a CH, which is why I pronounced it Hatchak, but I'm not entirely sure. Let's see. Does this does this uh, little cheat sheet have it in there? Hmm. I'm not. I'm not seeing it, so I must not be very common, at least in English. Um, so yeah, I just think it's kind of funny that the Hatchak uh, accent is used in the name Hatchak, which is interesting. The next one is called diaresis. Maybe it's diaresis. Oh, let's see if that word is in here. I'm pretty close to where it would be. Oh, do 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 right over here. I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Oh, I don't think it is. That's interesting. Yeah, because I don't know if I've seen some of these other ones. I also thought this was called... Oh, no, no, this is different. Okay, so this one, diaresis, and the next one look to be the same shape, which is just two dots. Two dots over a letter. Uh, The second one is called the umlaut. I've heard of that one. But I do not know what the difference is between the diaresis and the umlaut, given that they look like they have the same shape. If they're different, it's very subtly different, and I really can't tell. The, The diaresis looks like it's two dots, and the umlaut could be... Now, it's got to be two dots. Almost looks like two lines, two very, very short lines. But I think it's also two dots. So the only thing I can think of that's different is the letter that this goes on top of. So the diaresis, diaresis example is the word naive, and then the two dots are over the I. So maybe the diaresis always goes over an I. And then the umlaut is over an O in the word glog. I think that's about how you pronounce it. G-L-O-G-G with the two dots over the O. Glog. Something like that. 
Um, I think umlauts also go over the letter U. Don't know if the diuresis goes over any other vowels other than I. Naive. Maybe that's how it changes the pronunciation. There is one more diacritic. It is pronounced either sedilla or sedia or sedilla. I'm not sure which one. I think it's. I think it would be sedia, uh, because I think I've seen this in Spanish words. So this is the one that's a little. Oh, the sound effect for the diuresis and the umlaut are both boop boop. Okay, so the sedia. This is the one that looks like it's just a little squiggle. This one is the only one that's actually below a letter. I think some French words have this too. Um, this example letter is under a C, and I think that's pretty common for it to be under a C. Um, it just sort of curves to the right and then back to the left. It's almost like a little, um, like an upside down question mark, but not not totally. I get, how, what, what sound does this one make? Wee whoop. No, that's maybe too many sounds. Wee whoop. Maybe that's good. Sedia. I never knew what that was called. I never knew what most of these was called, were called. Oh boy. Okay, we got a few more words for this episode. We finished the diacritic chart. Let's move on to. Diacritical or diacritic. Now, would this be the same? Okay, so diacritical is different than the last word we had, diacritic, but you could also just say diacritic. So this must be related to the the diacritics. It is an adjective from 1749. One, serving as a diacritic. So the diacritic is a noun, and this is the adjective so if a, di- a diacritic is acting as a diacritic, it is diacritic. To A, the synonym is distinctive, as in the diacritical elements in culture. And that is a quote from S.F. Nadel, N-A-D-E-L. Number, so distinctive. I don't know the distinctive elements in culture, diacritical. Well, maybe the etymology will help. 2B says, capable of distinguishing, as in, students of superior diacritical powers. Students who can distinguish? What, what, what sort of superior diacritical powers capable of distinguishing? So are these students who can distinguish between one thing and another? I feel like, you know, depending on what the students are studying feel like that would be pretty easy. The etymology says this is from the Greek diacritikos, which means separative, also from diakrinin, which means to distinguish, which is from dia plus krinin, which means to separate. And there's more at the word certain. So yeah, it's all about separating things, distinguishing things, making one thing distinctive from another thing. And I guess if we were to connect it to diacritic, these marks on letters, um, I guess if it, they probably have a similar etymology, and I would think then these diacritics distinguish this letter or the pronunciation of this letter differently than if it didn't have the diacritic on it. 
Yeah, good job, Spencer. The next word. Diadelphus. Diadelphus. Uh, this one ends with a P-H-O-U-S. Adjective from 1807. United by filaments into two fascicles. And this is used of stamens. I think plants, flowers have stamens. So if the stamen is united by filaments into two fascicles, I don't even know if I'm describing this correctly, uh, then it is diadelphus. So in this one, this is probably using the di prefix, as in two, and then the word adelphus is added onto it. That's what I'm guessing. Otherwise, it would be the dia prefix, which means through or across, and that one doesn't make as much sense to me. Next word. Diadem or diadem. Noun from the 13th century, number 1a. It is the number two definition for the word crown, specifically a royal headband. This is not the flexible, fabric-y headband that you would put on to, you know, keep your hair out of your face or something. This is this is probably more like a, a thing made out of metal and jewels, and it's sparkly and fancy. But it's not a full crown. Maybe you just, you know, put it around the front part of your head or three-quarters of your head, and it's probably smaller than a normal crown. It's a diadem. 1B. This is the 6A1 definition for the word crown. Um, and so I'm kind of tempted now to go back to the word crown and see if we can, once I find it, that I can read what both of these are. All right, let's see. Crown, 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 where are you, crown? Ooh, there's two forms. They're both long. Um, okay, 6A1 for crown is imperial or regal power. And then sovereignty is the synonym. So that's uh, that's a diadem. Number two for diadem. Something that adorns like a crown. So what what would be like a crown? I mean, there's those... Um, what was it? In the, in the olden times with the Olympics, the very, very early Olympics or, or competitions in general or like old wrestling matches... Didn't they use, like, uh, olive branches they put around their head? So I guess that could be called a diadem. Um, I guess, I mean, not that I'm religious, but there was the whole story about Jesus with the thorny crown thing, and maybe that could be called a diadem. Not sure. Um, so if you put something on your head, just anything on your head, you could just call it a diadem. Tell him, tell him Spencer said it was okay. This is from the Greek diadema or diadema, which is from diadine, which means to bind around. So the crown is binding around your head. This is from dia plus dean or dane, which means to bind. And it is akin to the Sanskrit word daman or daemon, which means rope. So a rope can be used to bind things, and then if you put a rope around your head, 
you have created yourself a little diadem. Not around your whole head, not around your neck, just around the top of your head, where the crown goes. Okay, diadem, don't, I don't have any diadems. I don't wear crowns. I don't really wear hats at all. Maybe I should. The next word and the last word. Boop, 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 boo. Diadromous. Diadromous. D-I-A-D-R-O-M-O-U-S. Adjective from circa 1949. This is talking about a fish. Migratory between salt and fresh waters. Hmm. That's fascinating. I'm not entirely sure if I knew that there are fish that could do this. I feel like maybe I did hear it uh, at some point, but it's not front of my brain. So diadromous fishes or diadromous fish can go between saltwater and freshwater, and there probably are not very many that can do this. Okay, 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 okay. I think I read all the words, and now I shall reread them so we can pick a word of the episode. We had dia no diabolism, diabolize, diachronic, diachrony, diacid, diacid, diaconal, diaconate, diacritic, diacritical, diadelphus, diadem, and diadromous. So let's go through them. We had things about the devil and being diabolical. And uh, let's see, this next one was about time, going through time, the acids, the deacons, the the diacritic accents. Uh, let's see, well, that one, the two fascicles, the crowns, the, the fishes and the waters. I think I'm going to pick diacritic as the word of the episode because... These uh, these little characters, or what would you what do they call them? Uh, marks. These marks on characters, either on them or through them, help you to know how to pronounce it if you actually know how to pronounce that thing. So they're very helpful in that way, and they have a name. They are diacritic. Uh, let's see. Let's maybe let's let's sing a song. Let's sing a song about the diacritics. There are ten diacritics. The first one is acute accent. The next one is grave accent. And then we've got circumflex and tilde. And then macron. I don't know how to pronounce that one. Next we have the breve and the hatchet and the diuresis. The last two are umlaut and sedia. Those are the diacritics. Spencer and the diacritics. That is the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye.